you know, if you're acquiring an audience and if your personality has anything to do with it, you start accumulating people who are like you. <laughs> you hear all the bull about marketing every day. Make your money in your sleep. My new offer is crushing it. My guru could beat up your guru. It's time to go right to the source and get the truth about marketing. With your host, the founder of CopyChief.com, Kevin Rogers. Kev Rogers here, and wow, what a show today. We've got Perry Marshall. Man, you know, only a few people you could say probably needs no introduction. Uh, Perry's one of those people, although it's a little challenging to interview Perry because there's so much we could talk about. This is a veteran marketer in our space who's, you know, really dives deep into his topics and teaches at an extremely high level. So if you don't know much about Perry, don't know where you've been, but let me uh, give a little bit of an intro here. He's, like I said, one of the great teachers in our industry. Uh, he's a former engineer turned marketing consultant, and Perry spent years dissecting the deep layers of the simple 80-20 rule. And uh, as a result, he's released two of the top internet advertising books, the Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords and the Ultimate Guide to Facebook Advertising. Two things that you absolutely need to know about if you plan to succeed in this business, period. Got to have the traffic figured out. You got to make it work. And so, you know, these days, Perry's on a mission to help entrepreneurs find freedom through direct marketing. So, Perry, what a thrill to have you here. Uh, long overdue. And thanks for, thanks for making time. Well, Kevin, thank you very much. It's really great to be on. And, and that was a beautiful introduction. And, you know, it's like, I'm a, am I a veteran? Wow. Um, I know. That Happens fast, like doesn't it? Guy, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I think still somewhere in the back of my brain, I still think I'm 32. And <laughs> actually, I guess I'm not. But still, you know, marketing is a lot of fun. And, and you know what, what I, one of the things I like about it is, you know, you could know the same old stuff and like, you know, it's traffic and it's conversion and it's economics and it's, it might be AdWords one day or it might be Facebook another day. But the thing is, if you got a project that's really important to you and you get it to lift off, I don't care if the marketing ideas that you're using are older than dirt. It's fun. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun when when you get an audience to engage and when you get people mm. to buy a product, or if you know you're just an evangelist for something you want the world to know, and people are actually paying attention. I mean, it's a magic carpet ride, and so marketing is totally fun. And you know, pretty much anything that's been successful in the world, there was some marketing element to it somewhere. That's the truth. So, so yeah, like let's just tear into this thing and. Um, have a great podcast. Right on, man. You know, it's cool. We, you and I, I've seen you at some conferences. I think we've spoken at one or two of the same conferences. And I always have this image of you in the back of the room. You're in every session taking notes. Mm. Uh, and I, that says a lot to me about there's certain people that that's a consistent truth for. They're not in the hallway goofing off like I often am, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, and so I'd love to learn more about how you approach learning yourself 
and how that mm. affects the way you teach. Well, you know, what's funny is when I do seminars, my customers are the same way. So like if you go to, oh, I don't know, uh, a Ryan Dice seminar, let's say, there will always be lots of people out in the hall and they're networking and they're talking and frankly, half of them are there just to meet people, which right. is fine. Like, I don't want you to imply that there's any kind of judgment going on here. I'm just talking to you about personalities. Yeah. You come to a Perry Marshall seminar, every, there might be, there could be 100 people in the seminar. There might be two people in the hallway talking, but 98 of them, they're in there, they're taking notes, they're leaning forward in their chairs and they're, they're really serious, you know, like, hmm. <laughs> Like, man, I came here to learn some stuff, like <laughs> stuff. And, you know, uh, Emerson said an organization is, is the extended shadow of the person who leads it. And so it's kind of funny when you do seminars or for all of you marketers, you know, if you're acquiring an audience and if your personality has anything to do with it, you start accumulating people who are like you, <laughs> you know, yes. which is really great. And it's also a little bit scary, you know, like, well, boy, am, am I that much of a geek? Well, yeah, some days <laughs> might be maybe even a nerd. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, have we gotten to where nerd is actually a compliment yet? I don't know. You know, geek kind of flipped over not too long ago, but yeah, I think nerd is cool now. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I love, I love people that they, they like to think, they like to question, they like, they want to understand how things work. They want to take the engine apart and put it back together a different way. Mm. And so it's really great when you start surrounding yourself with people like that. And, and I, and I want to, you know, really make a serious point about this is if you do that over a long period of time, the senior members of your audience become very simpatico with you and they understand what you're about and what you're trying to do. They are able to recognize other people. I'll give you an example. I, I've got a project. In fact, we could even talk about it if you like, hmm. but I've got a project where I'm raising money and the minimum is a million dollars and I'm looking for very particular kinds of people. And I, I sent out an email not too long ago saying, hey, I'm looking for needles in a haystack. And I described a very particular kind of person and they have to have a net worth above a certain level. And if you know that kind of person, I would like to talk to them. And, you know, and a couple of days later, I'm on the phone with a couple of people. They're like, well, I know this guy. I got this friend and, you know, let me tell you about him. And like these conversations were so simpatico because the person I was talked to, I, and I didn't know either one of these guys before the phone call, but they'd read one or two of my books. They read my emails. They get who I am. They kind of have a sense of it. And, and so that human search engine is at work, which is of course much better than Facebook or Google or any kind of technical search engine. And so you really can build a culture that runs the way that you want it to run. And when mm -hmm. people find that culture that matches them, they're like, oh my word, like I'm home now. Like I yeah. found a place like I can hang out here. I can be me. I can learn from this person. I like the other people around here. And look, there's, there's probably more people looking at that for that than ever, and especially with social media being the way that it is, 
social media actually isolates people. Mm-hmm. It makes them lonely. That's true. Yeah. Well <laughs> it done. doesn't make them. It's kind of like, it's almost like, you know, does porn really give people satisfying experiences? Not really. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> and I, you know, I, I really think that, you know, the excessively electronic life, it's actually, you know, like drinking a diuretic and like, why am I so thirsty all the time? Right. And, and I, people want that connection. Of course, they have to get some of the connection electronically because that's the way the world is. But people want to be together. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I can't pass up the porn reference and dig a little deeper because uh, it's like you think about it, it's a disposable moment, right? You think about like what goes into creating a moment. Like if you, if you care about something, you think about that compared to, you know, the best night date of your life and, you, and, and all the trouble you went through to make it right and pick the right maybe restaurant and, and take a walk through the park, whatever you did, right? Yeah. Compared to, I'm just going to get this over with, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. it's like, it's, it's so much, there's so much disposable stuff out there. It's a really good point. And you know, what's fascinating to me about you, Perry, is that you, you have so many, there's so many tools associated, you know, with you and your teaching. One that I particularly love and have shared as much as I've shared just about anything is your, your grading system. And so I'll bring this up within context and I, I want to get back to the sort of bigger conversation about attracting like, but you have a great tool at perrymarshall.com forward slash grade. Oh and yeah. This is my great. favorite tool. It's, you know, we talk all the time, you know, my tribe is copywriters and of course, so we're very focused on readability, flesh Kincaid, and you've got this great tool where you know, you can drop in a, a piece of copy of your own or of anybody else's and it gives you all the important numbers you need. Gunning fog, smog index, you to me ratio is a huge one. Mm-hmm. Is, is this something you actively think about? I, I'll just call you on the, on the carpet for a minute. It, it seemed, obviously you cared enough about it to, to create the thing or have it created, but you know, is, is readability and, and the grammar of things something that you put special attention on because it'll help you attract the right kind of customer to you? Well, it's because I think it's very important as a writer. So just, you know, to explain a little more. So if you go to perrymarshall.com slash grade, I have a tool where you can just paste text in a box, press a button, It'll tell you the, the reading level of whatever your copy is. Is it second grade or fifth grade or ninth grade? Or, you know, if it's grade 17, it'll tell you that. Like whatever, like grad school, right? Yeah. And it also tells you, it gives you a few versions of that. And then it also tells you the you to me ratio of how many times in your copy did you say me and I and those kind of words versus you and your and those other kind of words. And generally, unless, unless you have a really good reason to be talking about yourself, in copy, you really should be talking to the reader about themselves more than you talk about me or, or beat your chest. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's a really like you could take any piece of copy and you could put it in there and you go, you know, I could, I could definitely improve that you to me ratio a little bit. I like it to be two to one or better. Mm-hmm. Talk about your reader twice as much as you talk about yourself. 
And then, and then the other is a grade level. Now, I, I, I think about this all the time when I write. In fact, it's so, it's so ingrained in me that I almost don't have to think about it anymore. Right. But, but let me explain it. So, so, and this is a very mechanical, right? It's just a number. It's only counting syllables, right? Right. But, but you know, the Homer Simpson brain just does digest words, phrases, and syllables, right? Time to get the donuts, you know, <laughs> right? That there, and everybody who's listening to you, part like think of, you know, people have different parts. There's a spiritual part, and there's an intellectual part, and there's a Homer Simpson lizard brain part, you know. There's and comedians comedians try to communicate with you on three levels, by the way. Comedians will always try to work your intellect Mm -hmm. and your emotions and your groin Mm -hmm. or at least your physical body all the time, okay? And then the the art of comedy and stand-up and stuff like that is, is, see, you can only pay conscious attention to one of those things at a time but they're working the other two and you are aware of them, right? And so if the comedian is telling you a joke and you're feeling all these feelings, but then he's also got some abstract concept that your mind is fixated on and then he strokes your, you know, your genitals with, a, <laughs> you know, with a, a, you know, an F word or, or whatever, he's actually got your whole, your whole self involved in his communication, okay? Mm-hmm. now. Now, when it comes to writing, the intellectual brain doesn't receive what the lizard brain can't process. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so, and so I try to write my copy at as low a grade level as possible, which means small words instead of big ones, short sentences instead of long ones, short paragraphs instead of long ones, simple subject predicate instead of these, you know, like in your copy, there should never be a sentence diagramming nightmare. Right. Okay. Like that's, that's a big no, no. And, and now if you know me and if you pay attention to me, I actually talk about a lot of complex esoteric high level concepts, Mm -hmm. but I talk about them in simple language. And that means that, that, that your lizard brain isn't stumbling around through all these sentences trying to figure out what Perry is saying. And what the grade level tool does is it gives you just a really super quick way of judging that. And, and you know, I'm an engineer, so a lot of things in marketing are numbers. And, I, and so I'm sitting there and I'm writing a story and and really in the back of my mind all the time I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to talk to the lizard brain. I'm going to talk to their inner seven-year-old, which is why I'm talking at a second grade level, but actually I'm going to take their brain somewhere else, way beyond what a seven-year-old can process. And that's, that's part of why that uh, people say I have an ability to take complicated things and make them simple. And that's why. And it, here's an extreme example of this. I wrote a book called Evolution 2.0. It is a full-on, hardcore science book. It is about biological evolution, which I think is the most complex subject that there is. And it's written at below a ninth grade level. Mm. 
the, the text itself is that, in, that a, a 13 or 14-year-old should be able to easily understand the sentences, even though the concepts, mo- a lot of the concepts in the book are things that only people at a graduate level in biology ever learn about. Mm. But you can do that. Yeah, And I've got high school students who love this book. One of my first testimonials was from an 18-year-old who's like, oh, oh my goodness, like the heavens opened up when I read this book. So mm. you can do both of those things at one time. That's brilliant. Now, is it important to write it so simply so that more people can have access to it, which is, seems obvious based on what you just said, but is it just as important that it remain entertaining and by keeping it simple, it's bound to be more entertaining than uh, challenging. Well, yeah. And, and here, here's what I always go to. There's a old, old saying from some ancient copywriter and it's, it goes something like this. If you write an ad for a plumber, you'll sell to the plumber and the college professor. If you write your ad for a college professor, you will sell neither the plumber nor the college mm. professor. Mm. That is true. Mm-hmm. And, and I can tell you this from biology and evolution where people argue endlessly about these different models and theories and all this kind of stuff. And I can absolutely attest to you that it is the lizard brain that gets sold Mm -hmm. on the ideas that all of the PhDs are arguing about. And the most popular ideas are the ones that get sold to the lizard brain. And unfortunately, the fact is, some of the most popular ideas in evolution are completely wrong, but people's lizard brains like them. So there's even college professors that think they're logical when they're actually completely illogical. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so if you have a good idea, if you have a solid, grounded, it benefits people, it works, it makes money, it, it, it helps you lose weight, it, it's nutritious, like whatever it is. And you're like, I've got to sell this to the world. One, one of the dangers that people get into is they think that the goodness of their product gives them permission to be esoteric and complex and highfalutin when in fact, the better your product is and the more important it is for you to communicate, the more you actually have to reduce it to the lizard brain, Homer Simpson level, and explain it to them in really simple terms. Hmm. Yeah, brilliant. Wow, so, it, you know, that brings me up to the point where you're, you take on a lot of topics and you almost have like sort of these subcultures within your world. And, and maybe I'm misrepresenting that with that phrase. Well, that's true. Yeah. That's true. And so now, you know, just in the broader sense. So, so one thing is that you, you have a, a Christian audience. Uh, yes. Is that oversimplifying that? Okay. So you have no, a Christian- I, I definitely have it. In fact, I have a, email list sub segment. It might be like 10% and it's people who have explicitly expressed interest in spiritual topics. And I send stuff to those people that I don't send to the other ones. All right. And so 
It's interesting to me. I'd love to know how you evolved into that because you know the rule, right? Very often in business, you go, you just leave religion and politics out of it. (laughs) Uh, And, and, you know, you'll, you'll, because we're talking about trying to reach more people by keeping things simple or keeping, you know, on, on topic. Was was this, what what was your, I don't call it calling, but you know, what was your motivation, uh, you know, to sort of speak to that? subculture? Well, I've, I've found that people actually bring very deep longings that I can only describe as spiritual into their work, into their business, and into a lot of things that they do. And, and I'm very comfortable talking about those things. And I'm also very comfortable talking about those things with people with very, very different belief systems than what I do. I mean, I'm a Christian, but I don't have any trouble talking to a Hindu, a Buddhist, or a Muslim, or whatever. And, you know, there's certainly a great deal of mutual respect, and I think people sense that. But, like, specific specific to, to business, so if you do what I do long enough, you start to notice that what people know how to do and how well they know how to do it is no more than 30 or 40% of how successful they become. Hmm. And the rest of it is a combination of certainly, you know, like soft skills and, you know, things like that, 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 that go beyond, you know, marketing education. But then there's, a, there's another chunk and it's, I bet it's a good 30% at least, which is how congruent their identity is and their, their spiritual beliefs and how that aligns with money and how they really feel deep down about being successful. And in fact, mm-hmm. if a person has enough head trash mm-hmm. in that regard, that can completely prevent them from ever being successful. And like when you see people who they, like, we all know people that have been from millionaire to bankruptcy two or three times in a row. Mm-hmm. They keep going up and then down and up and then down. That's almost always a script that's playing in the back of their head that I would say has a spiritual or identity level thing. And, and so to tell you a little bit of a story, which is where I'd say, really the majority of this kind of spiritual angle came from about, yeah, probably 12 years ago, a bunch of stuff started happening in the extended family, which, well, let's just put it this way. I started learning way more about child abuse, incest, you know, all this other kind of stuff that I ever wanted to know. Okay. And there was this period of time where I was like, oh my goodness, does anybody ever get the claws out of their brain if they've experienced something like this, Mm -hmm. right? Do they ever get back to being normal? And it was really depressing for a while. Well, so we're doing all these experiments and trying different therapies and everything. And the most effective thing by far that, that I ever experimented with was something called Sozo, S-O-Z-O, which is a prayer counseling model of inner healing, okay? 
And, and like I had friends who had horrible things that happened to them that you, you probably wouldn't even want to repeat on a podcast. Mm-hmm. And they got like, uh, maybe not a hundred percent, but anywhere, you know, 85 to 95% free of the effects of that to where they could be completely normal. They were not tortured by this stuff anymore and they were fine. And, and, and they got this through a prayer counseling situation. And I said, all right, I've watched entrepreneurs blow their legs off, you know, like shoot their foot off with a sawed-off shotgun multiple times from self-sabotage and stuff like that. I said, you know, if, if my friend who got molested by her older brother got completely free of that garbage after 20 years of struggling with it, I bet that same process could help people's head trash. And so I put together this thing, the seminar, and I call it the Financial Sozo Seminar. And I basically told everybody, this is an explicitly Christian, explicitly spiritual thing, but it's also a demilitarized zone. Like, I promise you, we're not going to turn this into a come to Jesus session. We're going to respect whatever your beliefs are. We're going to operate within whatever you're comfortable with, but we're going to have these people and they're going to work with you. And I got raves Mm -hmm. from the people that came, most of whom were not Christians. And so what I did when I promoted this was kind of a permission marketing thing. I said, I'm going to talk about spiritual stuff and I'm going to be very open about my beliefs and I'm not going to, you know, try to twist your arm. But if you'd be willing to listen to my perspective, you can go sign up on this email list and I'll take you on a journey. Well, guess what? You know, several thousand people go over and, and, and they participate in this. And, and so I've, now I've got this pretty significant segment of my audience who's like, you know, maybe they're a Muslim or maybe they're a new age or maybe they're an agnostic or whatever, but they know what Perry believes and Perry's not like ashamed of it. And nobody's like tiptoeing through the tulips or walking on eggshells. And we can just have this very open thing. And I, you know what, Kevin, I love the demilitarized zone. Mm -hmm. I think that is the most fun place to operate. And frankly, I think like the churchy zone where it's not the DMZ, like that's kind of boring. Like I like that ambiguous middle ground where people are just trying to sort stuff out. Mm -hmm. You know, I almost never get complaints about this. Like almost never. It's really uncanny. It's like, man, I thought I'd get some tomatoes and I've gotten a few. And I've gotten some tomatoes in the evolution department. Uh, that's like a whole nother story. But, you know, I, 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 just, I just think people, here's what people don't like. They don't like, to use an analogy, they don't like, hey, you want to cover my house for dinner? And then it's an Amway meeting. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Right. That is what they don't like. They don't like hidden agendas. If they right. don't, this is who I am, and, and you just lay your cards on the table, and it's like, oh, okay, so I know who he is. I know where he's come from. He's one of those guys. All right, let's, let's hear, hear what he has to say. Yeah, because in your bonding with people on the idea of spirituality, right? I mean, they, they could, like you said, be a complete agnostic, probably not an atheist, I guess. That might be, you know, too anti, but... You know, you, you see all the time the priest and the rabbi have lunch together and they have, <laughs> yes. they have, they have a lot in common, right? Because, they do. But uh, I love rabbis. 
Like, I love listening to Jonathan Sachs and Rabbi Daniel Lappin. In fact, you know, you want to talk about two podcast guys like Jonathan Sachs. He used to be the chief rabbi of the UK. He always delivers some insight that I've never heard before. I'm like, those guys are sharp. Like, there's a reason those guys have been around for 4,000 years. You know, there's a reason why they're going to be around for another 4,000 years. And yes, like, and see if everybody can put, put their differences on the table. Like another one is Ismar Ginsberg. He's in Israel. I met him at a, I spoke at a conference in Israel and I met, meet this guy. He's a Hasidic Jew with the hair locks and the black and like everything, right? You know, he comes to my house to visit me and I'm like, hey, you want to get something to eat? And he's like, I'm kosher. He goes, there's nothing within 20 miles of your house that's kosher. I'm like, there's not? Not, not my kind of kosher. Like, we have to go to Skokie and that's 45 minutes away. I'm like, are you sure? Like, I didn't even know this. Like, no. I was like, but, but wait, there's that Jewish restaurant over. He goes, no, no, not, not that one. It's American Jewish. <laughs> it's so in a shopping anyway, plaza. It's not real close, kosher. <laughs> you know, I, I love it. And look, I respect, I respect what he does. I, res, I you know, I respect their culture. I love yeah. the guy. Yeah. Right? So. <laughs> yeah. I think you, you, you hit it when you said it, it's about intention, you know, and that's why you're not getting tomatoes. And I've seen other people in other top, you know, I, I, my friend Ben Settle loves to be controversial and I've seen him try to get, get people riled up and, and they go, I don't, it's not working. And I go, you know why Ben? Cause they know you're, you're a good guy. It's, deep, it's your, your skirts showing, you know, like they know you're not out to hurt anybody. And, 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 and it, it's, it's when people, you can sense the crazy, right? And I think that's the difference is like people know your intentions are, are pure and like you said, you a polite invite, come, come learn more if you want to. So yeah, very cool. Fascinating. Perry, you know, man, I hope we can do this again. Cause I feel like we're just scratching the surface of some of the stuff, but I, I want to respect your time. What we didn't even get into 80, 20 or anything, but I want to ask two questions to, to wrap up here. And one is what's the one thing you've discovered in your marketing that has produced the most surprising results. Let's start there. What's the one thing you've done in your marketing that produced the most surprising results? Well, I'll, I'll just tell you a story that illustrates the truth. You know, probably the most surprising result would be when Ken McCarthy, he, this is 2003, he emails me and he goes, who should I get to go speak about Google AdWords at my seminar? And I said, you should get Andrew Goodman. And Andrew Goodman comes back and says, no, I, you know, I can't make it. So Ken comes back to me and he says, Perry, I think you should speak on my seminar at Google AdWords. And I was like, oh, well, if I do that, like that means I got to have like a book and some CDs and like I have to turn this into a whole platform and I don't have any of that. So I did it. Okay. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you two surprises about that. Surprise number one was nobody knew in 2003 that Google was going to become the 800-pound gorilla of the internet. <laughs> but if you can remember, like at that point in time, it was just this weird company from Mountain View, California, right. had a search engine that was white, you know? <laughs> right. Okay. The other thing was that 
speaking at a seminar was the best like running start push off that I possibly could have gotten for being a digital marketer. And here's why. So here's what happened. So this, the, the, the invitation came in March of 2003. I finally got my book done in June. I put up my website and, and some testimonials and stuff. And the Google Cash affiliate frenzy of affiliate marketing on Google pretty much started right in the middle of that summer. Okay, so I was like stepping into a tsunami and like not even knowing it, right? And then the whole thing just goes supernova. And like two or three years later, Google's gone public. The thing has just exploded. So here, so while that was going on, there was this dog fight of like, there was a new Google AdWords ebook every three days. Mm-hmm. And they were just like one after another, after another. And some of these guys were yo-yos, but some of them were really, really smart. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, after the dust all settles and you fast forward a few years, Perry has landed on top. Well, the reason I landed on top was because I spoke at the right seminar to the right audience. Now, a seminar audience is pretty much the hottest bunch of prospects that you can get for doing almost anything. Okay, they bought plane tickets and they got their butt over to some city somewhere and they rented a hotel room and they came to the thing and they have high expectations and they're hungry for information. It's like, this is the hottest group. It's not the people that just clicked on some Google ad. And that's who I got. And I, I sold a product and I got some clients. And two months later, I got all these testimonials and they're raving and they like what I've done. And that was the proof that I could then put in front of everybody to say, look, this is a great resource for learning Google AdWords. And if I hadn't spoken at that seminar, I probably wouldn't be here today. Wow. And I think that's kind of surprising, uh, especially to digital people that think the whole world is like right. digital. Because it's great. not. Yeah. You and I were pretty analog, you know, and like right. I, could, I could touch you and you could touch me. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. And I think it's all, I had a similar experience where a single talk completely changed the direction of, of my life mm. and business. And mm. I, I think there's something also about maybe the, uh, it's like a positive pressure. I know for me, I'm, I'm performance driven. And yeah. so I, I reach a new level of inspiration when I have a gig coming up. And maybe there's that in you more than you recognize, but it was part of it that you it gave you a, an outlet, a reason, a deadline even to yes. take all that had been floating around your head and put it into something. Yes. In fact, well, like I had to do it. It was like, well, all right, the seminars, you know, June three or whatever the date was. And all right, so your talk has to be ready and your order forms has to be ready. And the, the product actually wasn't quite ready yet, but it had to be pretty close to ready. Mm-hmm. You know? And I told him, okay, you know, you're going to get this within six weeks because I'm still writing the book. And, but, you know, I did it. 
Uh, we're going to have these webinars for the people that signed up so that I can get you started right away, you know, and then I have the questions from the people on the webinars. And then, you know, it, it focused everything into a, like a single weekend. And like I used to work in the industrial market with all these industrial manufacturing products and almost all the product releases were tied to a trade show date. Why? Because that's when you're going to announce that you have this new thing and that's when there's going to be people around to listen. And so, yes, they really do cre they create these moments of intense concentration and it's a super 80-20 moment because like here's where the leverage is and here's where the people are and history is made at these things, mm -hmm. right? And I met people like, I mean, I don't remember which seminar, but like, you know, John Reese, Frank mm -hmm. Kern, you know, all these different people, uh, Jeff Walker, that's the first place I ever met these guys was mm -hmm. at a seminar, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very important. And, and so, you know, and, or even just from a, like a, an email list point of view, if, if I hold some kind of a workshop, like this weekend, I'm, I'm doing a work, a small workshop in Nashville. I, and it's, it's just a regional thing. Okay. But mm -hmm. the people that come to my workshop, they're going to suddenly understand my emails and everything else I do 10 times better after they met me in person and spent a whole day than before. And their value as customers goes up, the amount of money that they spend goes up, how long they stick around goes up. It's amazing. And, and, and so I, I think um, also, you know, with, with, with marketers, digital marketers, you also kind of have this mindset like, well, you know, I want everything to be a machine and, and I don't trade hours for dollars. I, I think the I don't trade hours for dollars thing is mostly a big delusion because everybody in the world trades hours for dollars, even Warren Buffett. They just trade it in different forms. Now, obviously... You know, if you're just doing one unit of work and you're getting one unit of return from that, then that, that's not very desirable, okay? And I understand that. But, like, I think a lot of times there's this culture in the sort of biz op, business opportunity world where it's almost like rolling up your sleeves and helping and serving somebody is somehow beneath us. Mm -hmm. And that's just stupid. Like, it just alienates you and it, probably keeps you broke. Yeah, they start looking at ROI and, you know, scalability. And it sounds like what you're saying is you've gotten back to or never left that place of let's create an environment where I know I can give you the most value and the most momentum in a short amount of time. And even if that's only for 10 or 20 people, whatever it is, that's what it, that's the foundation of, of, of why you've had so much success. Well, it, it's certainly the foundation in any personality based business. And mm -hmm. I, I'd say I've more kind of come back around to it. Like I accept the limitations of, you know, a, a personality oriented business. And, but also like if, if you're going to build a software package and let's say you're built, you're growing an SAS company and it's going to be subscription based and you're never going to see 99% of these people ever in your life, which is great. <laughs> Probably the best way 
to get that product the way it should be is to start out by doing something for somebody and just using the tool to do the job or getting in front of a client. Like I had this guy, he wanted to sell this like, I don't know, $300 a month software that would work through this business process for people. I said, well, I said, you want to make some money and get your software right? Tell, tell the client I will, I, for $15,000, I will come into your company for a month and I will completely solve this problem for you. Mm-hmm. guaranteed done over and i said and then just use your software to do the work okay and like after you've done that with five or six clients and you get it to where you come into the company you press the software button and then you sit there for the next 29 days till you can collect your check and you have nothing to do because the <laughs> software did it all right then you then you have the holy grail of a software as a service but That's you great. start right like solving the problem. Hands on. That's exactly right. Because that is the best paid marketing research you could ever have. That's right. That's right. And, and, and probably it like if your software isn't selling, it's, that is probably a step that you left out. That's right. No, I agree a hundred percent. I love that. We're so in line with this. You know, people sometimes have an instinct to do this the other way. They go, how can I, sell, you know, 10,000 of these, and then maybe I'll consider doing some one-on-one coaching as an upsell. <laughs> right. And you go, no, 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 <laughs> do that. Right. you know, make your investment in the one-on-one and then you'll know exactly what about it works and which parts of it to break off and make a more accessible product. Right. Which, which is why it's often easier to start at the high end and you yeah. work your way down to the low end rather than it's more intuitive for people to start at the bottom and work their way yeah. up. But that's yeah. not usually how it works. So good. Great stuff. All right. Last question. You know, with everything, you are a veteran. You just outed yourself 2003. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. where, so where's this all headed, man? One year, five years? Well, you know, I'll leave you on kind of a dissonant note. And, and I'll, I'll just kind of confess something that concerns me which is, you know, the world is rapidly moving from being an 80-20 world to being a 95-5 world. Mm. And it worries me, and I don't know what to do about it. But look, I, I just, I think that the best thing to do here is just kind of lay it out and let people understand what's really going on. So, 80-20 sales and marketing would, like, give you the full thinking behind this. But... Mm-hmm. You know, generally, you know, the world is 20% of, of the companies make 80% of the money and, and so on like that. Um, well, see, so like that's certainly true in the analog world. If you look at automotive manufacturers, you know, even your 10-year-old can probably think of 10 or 12 of them, right? Mm-hmm. Well, can your 10 or 12-year-old think of 10 or 12 search engines? <laughs> mm. no. Right. Uh, right. There's like one or two or three search engines in the whole world that are anybody takes seriously. There's one eBay, there's one Facebook, there's, there's one Amazon, there's one Apple. And, and so in the digital world, it's 5% of the companies make 95% of the money. And this is, this is true at every level of scale. It's true. It's true of how many plumbers get the search engine traffic in Dallas? 
And, and this is because of centralization. And so larger and larger amounts of power are concentrated uh, in the hands of fewer and fewer people. Now, I think this is a little bit worrisome. If you think about how much power Mark Zuckerberg has, mm-hmm. you know, like if he decides he doesn't like conservatives or if he decides he doesn't like this kind of people or those kind of people, you know, they could change the algorithm 2%. Nobody would really know, but it would affect the way the whole world runs, right? Right. Like this, you know, or, you know, how many credit cards are in Amazon's server waiting to get hacked, you know? So, I don't have a solution. All I can tell you is, if you're in digital marketing, you better be in the top 5%, mm. which means you better be really, really good at a very, very few things, and you better stop trying to be good at everything. Because mm. I can tell you for absolute darn sure that is what that means. Like, you can't master six kinds of media. You can't be good at Instagram and Pinterest and podcasting and email and Facebook and Twitter. You could be good at one or two or three of those things. You could be world-class good at one or two of the three of those things, but don't even begin to fool yourself into think you can do it all, or you'll just get sucked into the quagmire and you'll be driving an Uber and being a barista at Starbucks with two jobs making $12 an hour. So that's mm. the game you're in. If you're, if you're a marketer, you're in market domination game that is the game it's the only game and you just need to accept it wow so the answer to centralization is specialization yes Mm. being the very and 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 having a really good unique selling proposition to whatever that group of people is like it's not kevin it's it's not really about traffic It's not really about conversion. It's about serious, unique selling proposition. Mm -hmm. That is what it is about. Wow. Well, that's a perfectly heady note to leave on. And it (laughs) seems so appropriate for for you (laughs) and this interview. And I hope it leaves people going, "Uh, I need more because that will mean you'll come back and do this again with me. I I Uh, would love to. I mean, we had a great conversation. I, I, I love the fact that, you know, this was not the standard set of canned answers from, you know, uh, I've never had a conversation quite like this before. It was great. So yeah, I'd be, I'd be very happy to come back and do something. I appreciate that is perrymarshall.com. That's where the easiest place for people to go and become indoctrinated into your ways. (laughs) That is the place. And you'll find a, a, a couple things that I think you might like. I've got an email series called the 30 Day Street MBA, which is extremely take the gloves off. In fact, the, the first email might send some people into shock. And my book, 8020 Sales and Marketing, you can buy f- for a penny plus shipping. Mm. You'll also see it right there on the website at perrymarshall.com. If you want to see how I sell and how we do what we do, just buy that book and watch the sales process unfold and take notes on what happens to you. Because number one, you'll like it. Number two, there's a lot to study and learn from. And don't forget to read the book because it's a great oh. book. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yes, I, I do think it's a great book. I, I think it'll help you. So, Awesome. Perry Marshall, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And we'll talk soon. Kevin, it was a pleasure. 
Hey, thanks again for listening to the Truth About Marketing podcast. If you like this show and you think other people would like this show, the best way to spread the word is by reviewing and rating the show in iTunes. Just log in, click review, leave a big old fat five-star review, and let everybody know that you dig the show so that they can dig it too. To get all the links and resources we mentioned on today's episode, please go to copychief.com forward slash TAM, as in truth about marketing. And if you'd like to uh, learn more about how you can improve your sales copy with uh, templates, formulas, coaching, feedback, or hiring a pro, do all that on the inside of the members area of copychief.com, and I will look for you there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.